Escape Pod 36 January 12th, 2005 Today's story, Connie, Maybe, by Polly Martens Hello, welcome to Escape Pod. As always, I'm Steve Ely. When I sat down to write this intro, I was planning to talk about PodcasterCon this past weekend, and the wonderful time I had, and some observations about social behavior at small cons and large cons. It would have been meaningful and informative and utterly unsurprising. Then I checked my blogs, and I read about a movie called Snakes on a Plane, and that needs to be talked about. It's got Samuel L. Jackson in it, and a crate full of snakes, and a plane. Any other detail is superfluous. From the online research I just did, it seems Snakes on a Plane was the working title for the script. Then they were going to rename it to Pacific Air Flight 121, and Samuel L. Jackson brought the hammer down and made them change it back. I believe, Snakes on a Plane, man, was the principal line of argument. Snakes on a plane! I think Snakes on a Plane is important for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's the best title in all of movie history. I can't think of any other title that instantly gives you a clear, vivid picture of the plot, setting, and general artistic approach of the movie. You immediately know, with no ambiguity, whether this is a movie you want to see. And second, it restores a little of my falling faith in the general whimsy and goodness of humanity. I mean, this is the sort of movie you'd expect from the 60s, when Hollywood was in its wild adolescence, and people made movies with names like Faster Pussycat, Kill, Kill. You don't expect it today, when every suspense movie has a name and plot pulled out of a Scrabble bag, and every non-suspense movie is a remake. So what do you think? Doesn't it just make you feel a bit better about the world, that it's the year 2006, and people can still make a movie called Snakes on a Plane? Doesn't that just make you feel like the universe is still young and full of opportunity? As my friend Jason would say, I think it's totally Airwolf. And with that, on to today's story. We've got a short but really funny piece by Paul E. Martens called Connie Maybe. It's a story that's not afraid to ask the deep questions like, What is identity? Where are you within your body? And what will your friends think if you give up beer for latte? Mr. Martens is the author of one of our early stories, In His Footsteps. He's also the winner of the 1999 Writers of the Future Award, and he's had stories published in 3SF, Andromeda Spaceways, and The Book of Final Flesh. That last is one you really don't want to spill anything on the cover. As a special treat this week, the story is read for us by the one and only Wichita Rutherford. Wichita is celebrated for many reasons, including his satellite radio programs and his podcast, Five Minutes with Wichita, which interviews bluegrass stars in a style that's hilarious, even if you think you don't like bluegrass. Most recently, he's completed a video podcast documenting his band, Van Heffer, the world's only musical group to be fronted by an Elvis impersonator playing Ozzy Osbourne songs in a bluegrass style. That part's real, by the way. But you know, I think I'll let him introduce himself. And then, it's story time. Hello there, good looking. What are you doing? 
My name is Wichita Rutherford, and today, right here on EscapePod.org, I'm going to read you a science fiction story. And today's story is by Paul E. Martins, and it's called Connie Maybe. And here we go. Conrad McManus claimed he was kidnapped by aliens and replaced by an exact duplicate of himself. But Connie, we said, that don't make sense. If he is a duplicate, you wouldn't say a thing like that. Connie shook his head. The aliens destroyed my body while they's a doing their tests and their experiments and whatnot. Then they had to make a new one so nobody would know about them. So they destroyed everything, we asked. Except your brain? No, they destroyed my brain, too. Then what part of you is still you? Me. But he made that kind of chopping motion with his hand, like he's a cutting off an argument, and he made noise like, oh, as if he knew what he meant. Even if we didn't, but either he couldn't explain it or we wouldn't be able to understand it. We asked his wife, Roberta, about it. Well, I thought he just got up to go to the bathroom, but he might have been gone a little longer than usual, I guess. Connie said it was a lot longer, like a hundred years or something, but that the aliens operated outside of time and space. Roberta thought about it. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I'm sure it wasn't anything close to a hundred years. Huh, said Connie. Now, we asked Roberta if Connie seemed any different, and she mulled it over, and oh, she's a grating for mullin. Not really, she said. Except I don't think he gets up during the night to go to the bathroom anymore. Most of us have reached that age where such a thing, except in cases of dehydration or deprivation, is unheard of. Now, Alex Farnsworth claims he can drink three glasses of water between supper and bedtime and not get up. But Alex Farnsworth? He's a liar. Well, what else? We asked. Hmm, she said. He had a bowl of chili at the mall the other day, and it didn't seem to bother him. Again, we responded with muttering and murmuring. We wish we could eat chili. Oh, we used to enjoy a good bowl of chili now and then. Well, it was at this point we thought maybe Connie was a-telling the truth, and we decided the matter required further looking into. How can we find out if Connie has been replaced, we asked ourselves. We could look at his blood. But what do we know about blood? Eh, we could see if it's red, or maybe it's green, or like some oil or something that's just not blood fluid. So, we went over to Conrad and Roberta's house and rang the doorbell. Normally, we don't bother with doorbells in our neighborhood, but under the circumstances, it seemed like formality was called for. Can we see your blood? We asked. We had to hand it to Connie. He understood what we was after right away. It won't do you any good, he said. I told you they duplicated everything. It looks like blood. It probably is blood, even though it's made by aliens. You just don't know how smart they are. Well, we must not have looked convinced, because he made a face and shook his head and disappeared back in the house. He came back after a few seconds and showed us a needle. He poked his thumb and a big red drop came out. Satisfied, he said. We looked at each other and agreed we were satisfied, at least for the moment. But we still don't understand, we said. If they replaced everything, what part is you? Is it your soul? Well, I don't really like the religious connotations of that word, he said. Let's call it my essence. But where was this essence when it wasn't in your body, we wanted to know. 
The aliens had it contained in a force field, kind of shaped like a Erlenmeyer flask. Oh, we said, but none of us knowed what that was, and we was willing to bet that Connie didn't know either. We exchanged raised eyebrows and left quickly. Now, blood or no blood, we's pretty sure Connie wasn't Connie anymore, even if he thought he was. But what should we do about it? Why do we have to do anything about it, we wondered. Well, we just can't have somebody who thinks he's an alien living here. Who knows what he might do? Maybe he's a spy or a bomb or something. After a while, we decided he'd read about them Erlenmeyer Flash somewhere. And we just continued to keep an eye on him before we took any action. Then Roberta mentioned they'd gone to the movies. It was a foreign one, you know, one with subtitles. Now this was unheard of. We thought he didn't like artsy movies, we said. Well, he didn't used to, but he said this one looked good. Was it French? We asked. She shook her head. Hyranian. We gasped. Look, Connie said when we confronted him. I'm broadening my horizons. What's wrong with that? It doesn't mean I'm not me. Don't you see, we pointed out. It means you're not the same Conrad McManus you were. You see, if the aliens made it so you can sleep through the night and eat chili and go to foreign movies, Iranian movies, who knows what you're capable of, what they're capable of. His jaw dropped. Gosh, he said, maybe you're right. I mean... I feel like me, but maybe they just made me feel that way. Maybe I'm not really me at all. He looked like he might cry. Of course that made us feel bad. No, no, we assured him. You're still you. It's you just what you might call subtly altered. We nodded, pleased with our choice of words. But he shook his head. No, I can't take the chance. What if I hurt Roberta? See, we said, you're still you enough to care about Roberta. How different can you be? Do you think so, he asked. Do you really think I'm still me? Sure, we said, even if we really didn't mean it. You're just good old Connie, same as always. <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. I really do feel better now. He smiled at us and went on home. And we nodded in a self-satisfied kind of way, like we'd just done a good deed. Poor old Connie, we said. He was really worried there for a while, but we're able to put his mind at ease. Then we thought for a minute and said, Hey, wait a minute. You see, it wasn't too much to say we'd been hoodwinked. We were sure the old Connie wouldn't have been capable of fooling us. It was that proof that he was a tool of the aliens. Maybe, we said, even an alien himself. We tried to get Roberta to leave him and go somewhere safe. She thought about it, and then she said, No, I don't think so. He's still my husband, and I'm pretty sure he dreamed the whole thing up. And I really don't believe in alien abductions myself. How do you explain this bizarre behavior then, we asked. It's not really that bizarre, you know. He doesn't drink as much after five o'clock. His doctor gave him something for his heartburn. In the movie, he was good. We both liked it. Well then, we said, how do you explain the fact that he was able to trick us? We waited while she considered her answer. You're really not very bright, she said finally. Then she walked away. Well, we was speechless. Not very bright. Us? It's obvious he's gotten to her. Oh, and if he's gotten to Roberta, any of us could be next. We looked at each other, wondering if it had already happened. 
Then Alex Farnsworth said he had to go because he promised to uh, take Diana to the uh, library. We exchanged looks. Alex, too, we said. Of course. He even admitted he didn't get up to go to the bathroom during the night. And that's one of the first signs. A day or two later, Bob Blinn was seen buying a latte with cinnamon sprinkles on the top. What in the world are these aliens up to, we wanted to know. We was a-thrashing around over some beers when Hector Feliciano said, I don't like having a beer. I think I'd rather have a lemonade. What the hell is going on, we demanded. How's Connie doing this? We started to panic. Maybe he's not, said Pete Mossman. Doing it, I mean. We looked at him wide-eyed. He stared back at us, rather defiantly, we felt. Maybe people are just changing, you know, growing. We had to admit he was scaring us, so we beat him up. We were horrified at what we'd done. We're sorry, we said. We don't know what got into us. It's just that everybody's different. Pete spit out a tooth and shook his head and looked at us out of his good eye, like he felt sorry for us. Yes, he said, they are. Then he went home. I don't even think he watched TV when he got there because you could hear music coming from his house. It sounded like jazz. Sandy Silver came to get Stanley. We have to leave now for going to that painting class. Painting class, we wanted to know. Like Home Depot? You mean house painting? We hoped it was house painting. Stan shook his head sheepishly. Watercolors. We watched him leave. We looked at each other without saying a word. We knew we was doomed. The aliens was bound to get us, too. And we nodded to each other as like we was saying goodbye. Then we went home. What was left of us. When I got home, I went down to the basement and locked the door. I turned on the TV and I got out a beer in my gun. And now I'm waiting. Just waiting. And if this feeling that I need to update my wardrobe doesn't pass... I'm going to shoot myself. And that was our story. It's a little-known fact that the symptoms of alien abduction are nearly identical to the effects of watching too many shows on Bravo. If you're a regular listener, you'll recall that last week I invited people to go onto our website, escapepod.org, and vote for their favorite story of 2005. The voting form was left open for people to fill in their own candidates, And the results were, well, numerous. It seems that people's favorites are all over the place, which I think is terrific. We'll probably leave the poll up until we think of the next good question, but if you want your vote to count for our Hugo campaign, I urge you to hop on and vote quickly. I'm going to detail the next step in the Metacast, probably sometime in the next week or so. Here's a tag team book review from a father and daughter. Hello, my name is Mac, and this is my daughter Mouse. Hey there. My daughter and I would like to submit a review of Simon Green's wonderful Nightside series of sci-fi fantasy novels. Now, I should probably preface this review with a warning that these novels aren't ever going down in history as giants of sci-fi or fantasy literature. Nah, they're more of an eye candy read. The sci-fi equivalent of snack food. Not very nutritious, but man, are they fun to eat. Not one of them takes more than two hours to read straight through. Yeah, snack food indeed. But that's why they're such a blast to read. The basic premise of the novels is that they all take place in The Night Side, a much darker parallel world version of London, 
where it's always 3 a.m. and you can walk the streets with monsters or find yourself sitting in a bar next to a god or other legend from history or literature, biblical times for that matter. The main character's name is John Taylor, and he's like a Twilight Zone version from the hard-boiled Private Eye books that my dad reads sometimes. What's the detective guy's name? It's Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe. Yeah, but lots darker, and with special powers. He has a third eye he calls his private eye that he uses to find things in the night side, sometimes things that don't want to be found. Definitely. Each novel solves some macabre and interesting mystery, from a nightclub singer who causes anyone who hears her to commit suicide to finding the unholy grail, the cup that Judas drank out of at the Last Supper, a relic rumored to have the power to corrupt anyone who touches it. Yes, and even though each novel has a central story going on, each one builds up the background story of John Taylor's unholy heritage and the mystery of where he comes from and the identity of his mother, who is rumored to be a goddess herself. What makes these novels really fun is that there's something in here for everyone. There's a little sci-fi, a little fantasy, a little detective novel, a little mystery, a little horror, a little gothic romance. Heck, there's even some time travel thrown in for good measure. Definitely, and all of it's fun. There's something in here for just about anyone to enjoy. Yeah, and my dad and I really enjoy this sort of serialized format, because if you enjoy the books as much as we do, half the fun of reading them is waiting for the next one to come out. Yeah, I have to say that there's a unique type of enjoyment that comes with waiting on the next installment, when you really enjoy a series as much as Mouse and I are enjoying the night side. If you're the type of sci-fi fantasy reader that can give themselves over to something fun and interesting and doesn't insist on perfection either in writing or plot lines... Yeah, they ain't Asimov. ...then you should definitely pick up at least the first book in the series and give it a read. If you like it, then there's a whole series waiting ahead of you. And he hasn't completed it yet, so you still have time to get in on the added fun of waiting for the next one, which I think is due out in February of 06. What's the first one in the series, Mouse? It's called Something from the Night Side. That's the first one. Give it a listen. We're betting you enjoy it as much as we do. Oh, yeah. First, sounds like a cool series. Second, if you two start up a podcast, you've got to let me know about it. Great job, Mac and Mouse. Thanks. And remember, if you'd like to leave us a book review or a comment on the show, our voicemail line is 206-666-EPOD. Or you can email a sound file to us at editor at escapepod.org. If you enjoyed this week's Escape Pod, please help us spread the word. You can tell a friend about us who's into science fiction, or mention us on a blog, or inscribe this recording on a metal plate in a space probe to be launched out of our solar system. This podcast is on a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license, so any sentient species in the universe can share it legally. I'd also like to remind you that we pay our authors for the content we share with you. So if you'd like to help keep Escape Pod going and you can spare a few dollars, we hope you'll consider clicking on the PayPal link at our site. Again, that's escapepod.org. Our featured listener this week is Marika, who lives in what she calls the Far East Bay of California. She donated to us a rather miscellaneous amount, numerous dollars and six cents. She said it was her eBay slush fund to have handy when she found a copy of an out-of-print and underappreciated novel. However, she said, quote, I haven't been having much luck lately, and I like the show tremendously. So Escape Pod was the lucky recipient of her slush fund. So thanks, Marika. 
We're very flattered that you chose to support us, although we're sorry that the eBay hunting wasn't working out for a while there. We know what it's like to find those forgotten gems, so here's to good luck for you in the future. Our music comes to us by permission of Dai Kaiju. You know, they've actually got some things in common with bluegrass musicians like Van Heffer. For instance, they're mammals. I forgot what the second thing was. And that was our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next week, snakes on a plane, man. Snakes on a plane.